And, and the curious thing now, arising out of all of that, is that the minister, Praveen Gordon, then made an announcement that we'd welcome back the over-60s. Tim, we're back in the game, my friend. We're back in the game. We're gapping back in the game. <laughs> Mark, hi. Good morning. How's life in the Karoo? It just so happens that I'm here in Paris, which is in France, French country. Oh, not in the Free State, not that one. Eh? No, and <laughs> not Paris, Texas, the actual Paris, Paris, the original Paris. And and why, might I ask, why would you be in such a place? <laughs> Actually, I came to make sure that my editor-in-chief got married. Oh, okay, okay. And now this is sort of an extended part of the trip in which we walk around museums and look at very old buildings at length and get told by Parisians quite often to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know, it's because you're not speaking French, not because you're not speaking. Yeah. I think it's because we're just shouting each other because we're, you know, like excited childlike tourists. It's been great. I, honestly, it's not like I've been to Paris like a lot, <laughs> but uh, you know, I've been every now and then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Lives old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, it is the most extraordinarily organized place. It's just, for, for us South Africans, it's just a different world. It's just so, you know, everything is planned, organized, booked. People are quiet, considerate. You know, cars stop for you when you try and cross the road. Get out of there, Tim. It's going to kill you, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I have been keeping track of what's been happening over the yeah. back home. And it does appear that the head of Transnet has left. You can see it was coming in a sense. Still, it's a kind of shock to the system, I think. Yeah, well, not only has Darby, the CEO, left, but Glamini, the CFO, has also left, resigned, in inverted commas. And Portia was quoted as saying that she felt they'd made significant progress. Right. They sure as hell have, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's face it. Yeah, it's, and, and the curious thing now, arising out of all of that, is that the minister, Praveen Gordon, then made an announcement that we'd welcome back the over-60s. Tim, we're back in the game, my friend. We're back in the game. We're gapping back in the game. (laughs) The old 60s are making a comeback. And talking about comebacks, the biggest private sector story of the day is the return of Sean Summers as the CEO of Pick and Pay after a 16-year sabbatical, shall we call it. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And so here we go. After all is said and done, Yes. It's experience, it's airmanship, it's a deep understanding of the industry and the knowledge, technical and otherwise, yes. that we need to keep our businesses and countries and things going and towns going. It sort of struck me when I was thinking about this as how close the decisions are between success and failure. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember which politician said that most decisions that leaders make are 55-45 decisions. Right. In other words, you know, there's almost as many reasons to do something as to not do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of the, the decisions are very close to the line, and that makes all the difference. So, you know, hiring somebody, not hiring somebody, promoting somebody, not yeah. you know, these these decisions are often a very close call of, and making a few very small wrong decisions can end up, you know, having really terrible consequences very fast. And I think one of the examples of that is the post office. Mm. You know, it's been four years since some other person left. I forget his name. Yeah, once they're gone, you can't remember who they are. Yeah, no, 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 no. I don't even know that. Old. I mean, he was old. Listen, face, let's face it. He was yeah, there are limits <laughs> to this welcome back oldies. I understand <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. 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 But anyway, organizations just imploding. 
Well, the numbers are astonishing. Four years ago, they had a positive NAV, assets exceeding liabilities, by $5.2 billion. The business rescue practitioners who are being paid a small fortune to get this exercise done, I think their bill is $140 million, right. have now announced that the debt, never mind total liabilities, the debt in SARPA exceeds the assets by $12.5 billion. Wow. That's a diminution or a destruction of value in the order of $18 billion over four years. Okay, my friend, if you were set the task to do that, <laughs> you would fail. <laughs> if you were incentivized to get it right, you'd struggle. Yes. Someone said to me, is this operational losses or theft or, or misstatement? Or I said it has to be all of the above. Yeah. Okay, because you can't get the number from one of those causes. The astonishing thing is, that very recently, the president nonetheless signed into law the possibility of Postbank becoming a state bank, regardless of all of these things, regardless of its bankrupt state, yes. which is self-evident. Now, if the Postbank becomes a state bank licensed by the South African Reserve Bank, we have crossed what I always believe to be an impenetrable line of the sanctity of the central bank. Yes. Okay. They cannot surely license an insolvent institution as a bank <laughs> or a bank controlling company. Well, well, you know. You know, <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Certainly you wouldn't do it in Paris, right? <laughs> yes, 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 exactly. I just wanted to go to, back to Sean Summers very quickly. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the things that struck me about his return is the question about whether or not boards are encouraging the turnover of their CEOs too fast. I mean, this is a bit of a unique situation, obviously, oh. but it does strike me that, you know, after a CEO has been, you know, sat in the chair for like four or five years, the board starts getting antsy and says, well, don't we need somebody new here? And quite often they don't. Quite often the sensible thing to do is to not change. And if they are kind of mistakes, they're a consequence of something other than tenure, you know, not having a great CEO. I think the answer lies in a mixture of the two. Yeah. Well, in a different construct, let me say. And I think that the management model in the cockpit of an airplane is a classic example of getting it right. The captain sits in the plane, but the young pilot flies it. Okay? Right. And if there comes a point where the experienced captain feels he needs to take over, he'll go, my plane. Right. And that's an instruction for the young pilot to relinquish control of the airplane to the captain, who then takes his airmanship and gets them out of the disaster with a bit of good luck and fortune. Okay. And so that happened in the case of the REB first round group, where the three musketeers, right. Larry Dippenard, G.T. Ferreira, and Paul Harris, stepped back, appointed a 36-year-old in the form of Michael Jordan as the CEO of the first round group, which was unheard of in those days. But they didn't leave the room. Yes. Okay. They said, okay, you run it. You're the smart tech guy. You're the young, enthusiastic guy. That's what we need. And we'll kind of sit there and go, hey, listen, you know, I see you turning left there. We turned left once before. Maybe you should just veer a little bit more to the main. I don't know. They give, they sort of give advice. Right. So I don't think there's a rule. And ultimately, it's the exercise of judgment, not the application of rules. But I think to have a point of departure which says, You've only got seven years to be CEO. You've only got five years to be the president. You've only, I think those time intervals yes. are a useful backdrop to require incumbent executives to get the damn job done. So I'm in favor of limited term 
from the outset. And then, obviously, there are exceptions which we have to intervene in. But a 16-year sabbatical is some kind of holiday. Now, if he'd worked for the state, he would have, you know, perhaps enjoyed full pay <laughs> during those 16 years. years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 I don't know. And I mean, the other thing about the state, the Glamini, the CFO of Transnet, is now Norfolk being employed as the CFO of Telcom. Right. Once you're in that mix, you can stay in that mix, okay? You just have to change business cards occasionally if the one you're using is not serving your purpose. Yes, yes. Near man. Obviously, we, we need to discuss the rugby because Obviously. I have personal experience of it here, being in France. So can I just tell you, it doesn't seem to have made any difference at all to French life. <laughs> <laughs> There's no huge adverts around in Paris talking about the rugby. Strange enough, for us... These big international tournaments, you know, make a kind of significant difference in terms of tourism and stuff like that. Trust me, in Paris, <laughs> a little rugby tournament yeah. really it doesn't touch sides, yeah. you know, in the flock of people coming in and out of the city. It's just absolutely extraordinary. It's early days, obviously, and I'm sure it will, you know, absorb the city for a moment, you know, when the finals and the semifinals start happening. But as of now, I can tell you, it is non-existent. Well, I don't like them either. Okay, so that's fine. We're all but done in terms of getting into the next round in South Africa. But everyone thinks you're done and done, so we aren't. There's one slim, highly improbable chance right. that we will be eliminated, and that is if Scotland beats Ireland yes. by more than 20 points yes. with Ireland having got a bonus point. So that means Ireland has to score at least four tries and still lose. <laughs> by uh, more than 20 points. Okay, so I'm prepared to put a lot of money on that not happening. So I've got a warm feeling right. about the fact that we'll be in the quarters. That warm feeling starts chilling a hell of a lot once we get through into the quarters because <laughs> it's either the All Blacks or the French, okay? <laughs> yes, yes. Neither of whom are a trivial pursuit. So yes. go, Boca, go. <laughs> now, I think in any sport or in any endeavor, you know, we talked, last week about the Berlin Marathon, any world championship, whether it's the Soccer World Cup final or the Rugby World Cup final or the Tour de France or whatever it is, anything which is the apex of the sport is worth watching yes. and worth subjecting yourself to. No matter what you know about the sport, no matter what you're doing, you are seeing the best of the best and they're competing there on a level playing field. And my goodness, there's a shortage of that around. I don't believe I just said, my goodness. It's the first time I've ever said that in my entire <laughs> history on this planet. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I haven't heard that word. <laughs> You're turning me into a civilized human being. Tim, stop it. Okay. All right. Well, let's throw out some numbers. I've got what I think is a sort of moderately interesting one. I can't wait. I mean, you've, 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 you've got me all worked up too. Yeah. All right. Here's what I think is moderately interesting. This is about the migration of millionaires, right? Yeah. So, you know, there's always a lot of discussion about migration from one country to another. But there is an interesting sub-story about where are millionaires leaving from and where are they going to? South Africa! <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, strangely enough, here's the sort of odyssey. So obviously the two leading countries in the world are India and China. This is the countries where millionaires are departing. Obviously, Russia is in the mix too. But the surprising thing is that more British millionaires have left the UK than Russian millionaires have left Russia. This is between 2017 and 2022. So, you know, this is prior to the war. I presume that after the war, there's probably been a lot more. And where are they going to? 
Well, they are going to some interesting places. You know, some are going to Canada and the UK, of course, but a lot are going to Australia. Lots. Yeah. And lots to the United Arab Emirates, lots to Singapore. South Africa's losing, but actually not as many as Brazil and Mexico. That's probably because there's just more millionaires there, you know. But still, you want to be in the receiving millionaires block, not the departing millionaires block. I'll say a couple of things. The first one is, Tim, I can understand all of that, particularly right. the millionaires going into Australia, because Australia will let anybody in who can spell rugby. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you know how to spell rugby, you've got a chance of getting into Aussie. Yeah. And then what I say about India and China, they may well have the most millionaires, but they've also got the most non-millionaires in the world by a long, long, long margin. Okay. Yes. And so, yeah, well, the millionaires must do what the millionaires can. Yes. Well, I've got a couple of numbers. Okay. One of them is still sticking with our infamous transnet, where it has been discovered yes. that in the time of the COVID vaccine, those things you breathe into, yes. you know, breathalyzer, stroke, uh, vaccine tester thingies, or viral tester thingies, they bought, Transnet bought, for 29 rand each, yes. and they cost, have a guess. I should know this. If I'd been reading the news articles on the Maverick more closely, I'd probably know the answer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, a couple of bucks. So, okay, what's a reasonable margin? They're paying 29. A, a reasonable margin is something between 10 and 25%, I would say. Okay, so that means that they must have cost, I don't know, 25 bucks or something, order of magnitude. Okay. 25 bucks, yeah. Let's say that. They cost yeah. 28 cents. <laughs> so there's a little bit of margin in there, like 100 times. But, Tim, that's how this stuff is happening. This is how corruption is manifesting. It's got absolutely nothing to do with the underlying transaction, right? Or fair market value. A guy says, I'm going to supply you something. You go, like, okay. How much do you want for it? I want a hundred million. What is it? A bicycle. Okay. You know, I mean, uh, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. the discussion is in the reverse order. Anyway, enough of that. My number of the week is that I completed the New York Times mini crossword in two minutes. That is so dramatic. Oh my God. I can't get over myself. I've told everybody. Okay. It was a complete fluke. It's my best ever endeavor. And I must have also been on a long plane flight. I'm writing this week's column about voluntary severance packages. I have yet to find a system more fundamentally flawed right. than offering voluntary service packages as a cost saving measure. No, I'm interested though. Why is a VSP a bad idea? Well, because those that can afford to leave go. Right. And the reason they can afford to leave is they're competent and valuable. Yes. Okay. And those that can't afford to leave stay. Right. Okay. So you lose all your best people. Ask Transnet. <laughs> okay. No, I know. It's a sort of like it's become a kind of custom in South Africa that this is the way to reduce your workforce. Fundamentally flawed. Yeah, it is. I mean, the, often the VSPs will have a, have a facility as somebody who has been in charge of implementing one, you are told by your managers, don't let your good people go. Pay them to go instead. Just don't let them go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. And make it clear that the VSP doesn't apply to everybody. You know what I mean? The <laughs> well, then it's rubbish. Yeah. And it's incredibly tough to implement because if somebody comes to you and says to you, I would like to take this VSP and you think, well, they're a good employee. I'd rather you stayed. 
it just seems incredibly mean. And then you've got this target to meet, right? You've got to get rid of a certain number of people. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah. You pay money for people who've been approached anyway, to leave. So you give them a little bonus for their rest period between jobs. Yes. Yeah. No, no, no. Exactly. Yeah. That, and when you've done that, you left with a less capable workforce. Yes. And you've already paid out money to get rid of the good guys. Yes. And the people who were at the bottom of the system trying to solve the problem that caused the business failure in the first place yes. are the people you left with. I mean, wake up, man. <laughs> I think we better go. We've occupied. You'll lose your slot at the Paris Museum. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes. Mark, pleasure to chat as always. Thanks very much, man. Always. Tata. This show is part of the Africa Podcast Network. For the biggest pod, pod network on the, on the continent. continent. For sales inquiries, please, please contact, contact us at info at africapodcastnetwork.com.